We've been on a subject for some weeks now that we've called Pay Attention. Amen. How many think it's a good idea? It's more than a good idea. It's uh, the directions of the Lord. And in Hebrews, the second chapter, if you'd go there, please. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Not just give heed But give earnest heed, some translations say pay attention, to what what we have heard. What we have heard. What we have heard. The Amplified on this says, since all this is true, we ought to pay much closer attention than ever. To the truths that we have heard, lest in any way we drift past them and slip away. This is a a dark place of confusion on the earth. And when the light of God's word comes into it, the enemy is trying to scatter it and trying to get it away from people. The Bible said if our gospel is hid, it's hid to those that believe not in whom the God of this world has blinded their minds lest they should believe the glorious gospel. So when light comes in to your life, it's not automatic that you'll hold on to it. It's uh, so important that we treasure it, that we lay hold of it, and hold fast that which we've been given, and not let anything take it away from us. You know, something that has happened all too frequently is that children have gotten some light and faith put into them growing up. And then they go to university and allow others to take it away from them. And not, not just young people. This has happened too many times. People get to listening to other things, looking at other things. And the enemy is always trying to steal from you. He's a thief. Jesus called him the thief. The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. And he won't stop, if you'll let him, he won't stop until he's taken everything away from you. He wants to take away any confidence that you have, any assurance that you have, any faith that you have about, you know, God being good to you, being faithful to you, meeting your needs healing your body, helping you, directing you. If he can steal that from you, then the next thing is, does he even care? Uh, If he can get that away from you, is he even real? See, if you let him, he'll take it all away from you. 
but only if you let him. <laughs> and you don't have to let him. And he can't force it out of you. Cannot. Can't. We ought to give the more earnest heed, pay the more close attention to the truths we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. In Proverbs 4 and 20, he said, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not, this is the NIV, do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. Why would he say that? Why do you need to to hold on to it and and keep it and and pay attention and listen? Why? Because there's a thief trying to get away from you. Right? Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For their life to those that find them. And health to a man's whole body. Above all else. Guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. You guard your heart. And don't let wrong things be put into it. And you guard your heart. And keep all the good things. And don't let them be taken from you. Thank you Lord. They're treasures. Jesus said out of, out of the good treasure of a man's heart, he brings forth good things. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Go with me, please, to move further into this tonight. Over to, a lot of these things I've never preached just like this before. Uh, we, while we're here in... Uh, did you turn to Proverbs? or I should have had you to hold your place in Hebrews. Some of you still are. Chapter 3. Chapter 3 and verse 7. He said, uh, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, Today, if you will hear his voice. Why would he say if you'll hear? Because you don't have to. Some won't. But if you'll hear his voice, what? Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Verse 15. Verse 15 says, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Now, Jesus taught, ministered what we call the parable of the the sower or the parable of the seed. And the, the sower sows the word. And he sowed the seed on four different kinds of ground. You remember that? And uh, what, it was the uh, wayside. Help me out. What was the other one? Stony. Thorny. Good ground. And only one of those kinds of ground brought forth any harvest. The other three did not. And uh, the first one, what kind was it? wayside ground and it said that when the seed was sown on it immediately the fowl of the air the birds came and ate it up well that means it never got in the ground it got on top I mean I know this from personal experience (laughs) I remember it was my job growing up on the farm during one uh, spring season to plant a bunch of peas and uh, we had, we 
cultivated an area there on the land. And, and when, you know, my granddad, you didn't make four or five rows of peas. It was acres. <laughs> he meant to do it right. And so I was out there and I was planting planting and I looked behind me and there was birds everywhere man and they were eating my seed because it didn't get covered properly and uh, they were having a big time but every pea they ate up never become a plant with all the peas and the pods and uh, all of that so you're not going to get a harvest out of any of that because that seed went into that bird's belly is that right? And he benefited, but you're not going to. The seed never got into the ground. And one of the reasons that it didn't get into the ground is it wasn't broken up. It wasn't soft where it could get down into it. There was a hardness and, and a stopping on the surface. And did you notice he keeps saying, harden not your heart. Well, hardening would keep it from getting in. Now, almost everybody listening to this would go, oh, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't harden your heart. And yet, it is happening right and left. So let's talk about it. And not to judge anybody, but to see to it that we don't. What do you think? That we don't do it. Harden not your hearts. If you, he said it again in the fourth chapter, 4 and 7 of Hebrew. He said, today after long, so long a time as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now, one of the best examples, or one of the, I should maybe say, most outstanding examples of hardening your heart in the Bible is Pharaoh. Anybody remember that? I mean, he is, uh, when you look up in the, you know, the encyclopedia on Harden Your Heart, his picture's there. <laughs> I mean, thing after thing after thing that happened, his response was, he hardened his heart. And uh, the thing that was happening is that God told Moses... To go tell Pharaoh, let let my people go. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. Now what does that mean? We got a word from God. What's the word? Let my people go. And what does Pharaoh do? He refuses to hear that. He refuses to receive. He said, who is the Lord? This is, you can hear the hardness. He's the big wig around here. Right? Who is the Lord? Well, he's about to find out. The hard way. <laughs> and, um, but he, he kept with that. And then after the first plague, here comes Moses again. What's the message now? Let my people go. So what did he do? No way. No. So what happens? More judgment. Then what happened? What's the message now? 
Let my people go. What did he do? Heart stiffen his neck. Hardness. No. No. I don't have to. I'm the Pharaoh around here. I mean, he presented himself as a God. A living God. He's the God in Egypt. And uh, I know that some of this is not, you know, obvious to us. But these plagues, these judgments, were demonstrating that the river is not God. Frogs are not God. Snakes are not God. See, they worshipped all this stuff. This was a part of their belief system. And the first, I mean, Pharaoh and the firstborn, the last thing that happened, he's supposed to be in his descendant living gods. Well, they weren't. Right? And it was the hardness that kept this going. And then after the third time and the fourth time and the fifth time and the sixth time and the seventh time, what was the message then? Everybody say, the same. same. No change. change. (laughs) Why? The truth is the truth. And it doesn't change. What God says to you is the answer. And he doesn't need to change it because he knew the end from the beginning before he said it. There's a phrase you hear that's become popular that I don't care for. And I think when you see it, you won't care for it either when you understand it. People talk about my truth and your truth. Well, you know, you you have to go with what is your truth. That's a bunch of junk. Truth is not relative. You got the truth. The truth. (laughs) Not your truth. Not my truth. It's either truth or it's not. These things are subtle. And there's a reason why some of these phrases become popular. Because the enemy's trying to move you away from the absolute truth of God's word. And make everything relative. Well, I, I, you know, I don't agree with you, but I have to go with my truth. <laughs> You're confused, honey child. <laughs> It's the truth, or it's not truth at all. And the truth does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is forever settled in heaven. And when he tells you something, it's right. And he doesn't need to change it. Not later, not the third time. Not the sixth time, not the tenth time. But here's a problem. We got into this some weeks ago, and this is a continuation of that. We asked the question, if it's so important that we pay attention, why is it that many don't? Why is it that many don't pay attention? One reason is, many don't value or esteem what he has said so they don't pay attention to it. Another that we got into was we talked about Naaman. Uh, many don't pay attention to what he said because they have another idea. 
He said, surely I thought he would come out here. He would strike his hand over the place. He would call on the name of his God. So he ignored what God told him. Because he's got a different idea about what he thinks is supposed to happen. So people don't pay attention because they have another idea. Here's another reason why many have not and don't pay attention. They've already heard it. (laughs) They've already heard it. What's happening with Pharaoh on this? Let my people go. Then what does he hear? Let my people go. What? He wants to negotiate at one point. We all can take this and y'all can do this and then but you don't go too far away and, and Moses said, No, no, God said we go, we take everything we got. And man, that made him even mad. And he hardened his heart again. He tried to negotiate with the Almighty. He wants him to alter what he has said, to change what he said. But that would indicate that it wasn't perfect the first time he said it. That there's room for improvement or adjustment, and it would indicate that he's not God, that he didn't know the end from the beginning. Okay, yeah, I know I said that, but you know, with these new developments... That indicate he didn't think that that could happen. No, he does know the end from the beginning. And he said the right thing to start with. And it doesn't need to change. But if you keep hearing the same thing, it becomes irritating. <laughs> it's quiet in here. <laughs> Go to Revelation, third chapter. Now, you said you're believing with me. A lot of these things I've never taught like this before. So I'm, I'm believing for utterance. I'm believing for direction. And we all believe together and it comes out. And somebody could get helped with this five years from now if the Lord tarries coming, right? Because it's, it's recorded and it's online and all of that. It's important to get it out. Yeah. Revelation 3 and 20. He said, Behold, I stand at the door And knock. If. Everybody say if. So it's not automatic. It's not a foregone conclusion. If. Any man hear my voice. Does that sound. Familiar. Hear my words. Pay attention to what I say. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, if I just did this for the next hour, what could happen? 
it would become irritating to you. What would happen? It would become annoying to you. Have you ever heard this happen at an actual house or apartment or something? And finally some say, would somebody go get that door? (laughs) What's the worst thing that could happen? That's the worst thing that could happen. No more knocking. This is going on year after year after year with human beings on the planet. And after a period of time, if you've heard it over and over and over again, and you haven't responded, it gets irritating to you. I know, uh, you know, you're not paying attention to it, and yet you keep hearing it, you keep hearing it, and you're like, this is bugging me. (laughs) Yeah, but why is it bugging you? Back... uh, in the 80s, Brother Hagen told this scenario that uh, I thought was very interesting. A man came to him asking him questions about believing God and, and getting some prayers answered. And, and Brother Hagen gave him a scripture and told him some things. And before he could finish, the man said, Ah, oh, he said, That's the same thing Kenneth Copeland said. <laughs> and that's the same thing Jerry Savelle said. And that's the same thing Happy Caldwell said. And that's the same thing Ed Dufresne said. There was obvious frustration in his voice. (laughs) What's the problem? Instead of getting a clue as to maybe this is it, maybe I should answer the door. Maybe I should do something with this. But if you don't want that to be the answer. And you don't pay attention to it and you ignore it. Then it becomes irritating to you. And you're in a dangerous place. It's dangerous not to walk in the light. The Lord gives us. Because if you refuse the truth, what else is there to believe? Lies. And the enemy's ready to give you some. If you refuse the light, what else is there? Darkness. Now, it's not for us to be thinking about somebody else needs to hear this message tonight. All of us have made some mistakes in these areas. I mean, I I don't think a one of us should raise our hand and say, every time the Lord knocked, before he could get that second knock, I was there and got the door. Every time he showed me something, I implemented it the next day. But there's a danger. If your flesh doesn't want to do something, you don't want to hear it, then you stop paying attention to it. And start looking for something else 
And that's a real problem because he's already given you the answer. And so now if you're looking for something else, you're only going to be frustrated. And if you say, Lord, Lord, help me, help me. And then he tells you again, you're like, I've heard that now a hundred times. And I'm sick of hearing it. (laughs) I was praying for a young man some years ago who had just had all kind of trouble. And uh, Lord, you know, help him with this and Lord, help him with that. And uh, the Lord spoke to me. He he interrupted me in the middle of my prayer. (laughs) I mean, it should be a (laughs) two-way. He interrupted me mid-sentence. He said, I told him two things to do. I told him to go to church. And be faithful. I told him to get a job and keep it. And until he does those two things. Nothing's going to change. He interrupted me. There's a lot we don't know about things in there. It's not that he don't want to help. It's the answer is the answer. And that's not going to change. And if you don't want that. Then you're going to wallow around. And you're going to be frustrated. And if you keep doing it, 10 years later, your life is going to be in a bog. God, why don't you show me? Why don't you show me? And if by the grace and mercy of God, somebody comes to you and brings that up again, it's just going to make you mad. Why does everybody keep bringing this up? (laughs) It's called mercy. Mercy. Why he keeps knocking. And in order to make it in this life and succeed in God, you must be teachable. You must be correctable. Everybody say teachable, 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 correctable. There's some things your flesh ain't going to like. There's some things you need to hear, but you won't want to hear. And if you can't hear it, Shouldn't say can't. If you refuse to hear it. What did the scripture say? Hosea. Was it 4-6? My people are destroyed. For a lack of knowledge. Why? Because you have rejected knowledge. Not because it wasn't there. God is faithful. I said God is faithful. Do you believe it saints? If you Call out to him. If you pray, if you seek him, if you ask him for his plan, for the answer, for the direction, you can count on him giving it to you. But it may not sound like what you thought it would. Let me change that. It won't (laughs) sound like, at least in some parts, it won't sound and look like what you had thought or what you had planned, but it is The plan. And it is the answer. And if you don't like it and you don't want it and you you push it away and you don't pay attention to it. Then the light stops unfolding. And it gets hard. And the harder you get resisting what he said, the harder life gets. Isn't that what happened with Pharaoh? The harder he got, the worse it got for him and everybody around him. 
Did the message change? No, it wasn't going to change because it came straight from God. The truth is the truth. The answer is the answer. But he didn't want that to be the answer. He wants to change it. First, he just wants to ignore it. Then he sees he can't. He wants to negotiate. When God won't negotiate with him, he hardens his heart again. And the harder he kept getting hard with God, and the harder his life got. Until they lost everything. They lost all their crops. They lost their firstborn children. They lost all their livestock, all their crops. They, at the last, they lost all their army. He lost his life. Why? Would not quit with this, I'm going to do it my way. Hardening himself against God. Look with me in Proverbs. Somebody say, by the grace of God. God. Not Not me. Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29 and 1. 29 and 1 says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck, what will happen? Shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. That's because, that's not because God is hard and mean, it's because you refuse mercy. And if you do that long enough, it's going to cost you too much. The New Century Version, the NCV, says, Whoever is stubborn after being corrected many times will suddenly be hurt beyond cure. The CEV, the CEV says, If you keep being stubborn after many warnings, you'll suddenly discover you have gone too far. When did Pharaoh realize this? When the Red Sea was closing in on him, falling on him and his chariot, and he's drowning. He's gone too far. He resisted one too many times. He hardened himself one too many times. Could it have gone a different way? Yeah. Hard-headedness is not a good quality. (laughs) Stubbornness, defiance, rebellion is the nature of the devil himself. You don't want any of that in you. We don't believe everything that everybody says. We don't trust everything that everybody does. We don't submit to everything that everybody comes up with. But when we know it's him... Come on, is anybody listening? When we know it's Him in His Holy Word, by His Holy Spirit, when we know it's Him, it's time to shut the mouth and bow the knee. Come on, are you listening? And accept it and go, this is the answer. And if your flesh didn't want it to be that, well, your flesh has got to get in line. Is that right? And if you had some other thoughts and ideas, it's time to submit. 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 Crucify the flesh. Is that an easy thing? No. No. 
Your flesh will scream. I want my way. I want my way. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. And if you do, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you won't change, there will come a time when it costs you too much. And that part can't be fixed. Don't mean God don't love you. Don't mean you're lost. But it means you messed up something. Usually this is over a period of years. That you went too far. Said out loud by the mercy of God. God. Not me. me. Hallelujah. Go with me to the book of John again. I know some of this is a little sobering, but it's the truth. And the truth is the truth. It is what it is, no matter what people might imagine it to be. <laughs> this has actually happened to me before in prayer. That I've prayed about something and prayed about it over a period of, of months and years. I don't mean every day, but it'd come back up. Or maybe it wasn't, something wasn't right in your life, and so... You're trying to get that fixed. And Lord, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? We need to remind ourselves, he's very intelligent. (laughs) And no matter how we act, he treats you like you are too. You can expect when you ask him something for him to answer you now. Just like you and I were talking. You can expect that. But you've got to watch about it when he does, letting it get past you and treating it like it's nothing and still keep looking for something else. I know this one thing I was praying about. One day I was praying about it again. Well, Lord, show me what to do. Lord, show me what to do. Lord, at, at one point I've been praying for about 30 minutes. I realized I was doing this. Lord, whatever it is, if you would just show it to me. I, uh, help me out with it, Lord. <laughs> Lord, whatever it is, if you would just reveal it to me and show it to me. It's been, you know, what is it, five years now. And God, if you could just help me, whatever, whatever it is, Lord, if you would just. <laughs> and finally I said, this? Well, that's been there for eight years. <laughs> And I'm frustrating myself. And time is going on. And things are not right. This is happening. All too often. Why don't people pay attention? Already heard it. Already heard it. Didn't want that to be it. Didn't like that. And if you don't want something to be God, you can play games. And the moment you do, if you don't want the truth, somebody else will be right there. Is that right? To help get it away from you and give you a lie instead to believe. The moment, That's why I said it's dangerous. When you hear the truth and you see the truth and in your heart you know it is. If you don't receive it and respond to it. And you act like you didn't see it and you act, you know, you may fool other people, but God knows what you saw. He knows when you saw it. He's the one who showed it to you. And if you try to pretend like you don't see it because you don't want it, 
the enemy will be right there to give you something else. And if you go, uh, your flesh is going, well, we don't want that to be God. No, 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 we don't want not that, not that, not that. And if you don't want it to be God, you'll go, we, I, I, I don't know what that is. And you just told a lie. Because in your heart you know that's him. He told you to do something your flesh didn't want to do. And if you go, uh, no, we, I, I'm not sure what that is. And immediately an enemy will come and sit on your shoulder and go, no, we don't know what that is. We don't know what that is. That, that, that's not God. We don't, we don't know what that is. And, and so now you're looking for something else. And you already got the answer. You can do this for 40 years. But after a few years, you get to the point where you forget you ever saw it. And now you're deceived into believing God hasn't answered you. Why won't God answer me? God, why won't you show me? He already has. Many times. It's not that he doesn't answer. Do anybody in here believe he's faithful? He's faithful. You need him. He's there for you. You ask, you'll receive. You seek, he'll cause you to find. You knock, it'll be open to you. You open to him, he'll come in. He'll fellowship with you. He'll show you. But that's not the big thing. The big thing is us listening, us receiving it. In John 9, this whole chapter deals with this. John 9, verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, they didn't ask him if this was the case, they assumed it was, just which one. Verse 4, this is a reflection of what they had been taught in synagogue. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. I must work is future tense. I must do this. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. When he thus spoken, he spat on the ground. But let me back up to verse 3. I'm moving too fast. Verse 3, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest. Everybody say, should be. Should be. And then the very next uh, verse, I must work the works. This is all future tense. At this point, the works of God have not been seen in this man. You'll hear some people say, well, he's saying that man was uh, born blind for the glory of God. No, no, no. That's like saying a person was in the terrible depths of sin so God could get glory out of them being saved. He does get glory out of the salvation. He didn't get glory out of the sin. The sin was not the cause of the glory. The sin was the occasion of God getting glory. 
I must work the work. The works of God have not been seen yet. I must do it. Verse 5. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Verse 6. He spoke. He spat on the ground. He made clay of the spittle. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Somebody say, glory to God. Is this a fairy tale? No, sir. Uh-uh. This happened. Verse 8. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat in bag? Some said, This is he. Others said, He's like him. And he cleared it up. He said, It's me. <laughs> it is me. And they said, How were your eyes open? He said, a man is called Jesus, made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. I went and washed, and I received my sight. Friend, miracles are just this simple. They're just this simple. You hear from God, you do what he said, and he does the rest. It's just this simple. They said, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought him to the Pharisees, him that aforetime was blind. And it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I do see. So he's told this story more than once now. And therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keeps not the Sabbath day. Others said, well, how can a man that's a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say to the blind man again. Everybody say again. What sayest thou of him that he opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. (laughs) They'd have rather he cussed. (laughs) But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight. And they called his parents. Keep going. They asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents said, we know that this is our son and we know he's born blind. But by what means he now sees, we don't know. Or who opened his eyes, we don't know. He's of age, ask him. He speaks for himself. Now these words his parents spoke because they feared the Jews for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Christ he'd be put out of the synagogue. If you accepted Jesus they would take your name off the rope and you are no longer welcome. That's why his parents said he's of age ask him. They're trying to keep from getting kicked out of some places You shouldn't care if you get kicked out of. Is that right? You should volunteer. (laughs) Let me save you the trouble. Go ahead. Take my name off the (laughs) rope. Therefore said his parents. He's of age. Ask him. Keep going. Then again. Everybody say again. Again. They called the man that was blind. And they said to him. Give God the praise. We know this man's a sinner. He said, well, whether he's a sinner or no, I don't know. But one thing I know, I was blind. And now I can see. Oh, hallelujah. 
A man or woman with an experience in God has no need to make an apology to somebody that's got an argument. Is that right? You can't tell me I wasn't there when I got saved. Is that right? I was there. I know. Spiritually, I was dead, and now I'm alive. I know he's healed me. I know he's filled me. I know he's blessed me. I know. I know. That's not hearsay. That's not theory. That's personal experience. How are you going to tell me? I don't know that. I was there when it happened. You? Come on, never apologize for that. Never apologize for that. Don't let somebody tell you you don't know what you know. How did he, they said, well, what did he do to you? How opened he your eyes? Now, let's stop. Have they heard the answer to this already? <laughs> What's the problem? They don't like that answer. So they want a different answer. They're trying to come at it from different angles because they don't want this to be true. But it, truth is truth. No matter what you want. If it's truth, it's truth. If it's the answer, it's the answer. And you can tell they're getting irritated. They're getting agitated. Why? They don't like the answer. So they said to him again, what did he do to you? He said, I've told you already. And you did not hear it. Are they paying attention? They're not, why aren't they paying attention? They've already heard that. And they don't want that. They want something else. There's a lot of people today. What about, does God exist? Is there heaven and hell? Is there eternal life? Is there, is there salvation? Yes, his name is Jesus. A lot of people don't want that. Well, aren't there many ways to God? I mean, what about these other religions? I mean, billions of people can't be wrong, and and so they want another answer. But it's either true or it's not. This book is either true or it's not. Well, I have to live my truth. You're deceived and acting a fool. Well, I got a right to my beliefs. Actually, you don't. There's one God. And there's one mediator between God and men, Jesus. Amen. And you, if you don't receive him as your Lord and submit yourself to him, the Bible says you'll die in your sins. Lost. A lot of people don't like that answer, do they? It's not politically correct. We need to be inclusive. And accept everybody's beliefs, then that means this is not true. If this is optional, it's not true. And so we, we live in such a loose generation, and you get this response all the time. As ministers, we do. Phyllis and I are talking about this just this week. One of the most radical things that happened in our life that changed us forever is that we got a revelation that the Word of God is the final authority on everything. And we begin to treat it with respect. Changed our life. We begin to treat it 
like it's not optional. Jesus is Lord and his word is authority. Hmm? There's not something else to consider. And when that word becomes the final authority in your life and you treat it like that, oh my, that's the beginning of wisdom is the reverence of God. You treat him with respect and things begin to change in your life. But with many, I've shared truth with people. I don't, I'm not talking about my idea, verbatim scriptures. And they look at me and go, well, you know, I'll give that some thought. I mean, what, what are they saying? It's optional. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Well, maybe you'll be saved. And maybe you won't. Maybe you'll have a miracle and maybe you won't. Because when that, when, when receiving what he said becomes optional, your blessing just became optional. And he's not going to make any of us do anything. And we're not to try to make people do anything. But it's sad when you don't. And you see the situation with Pharaoh. The harder you get about not hearing it. And the more times you hear it. Then it irritates you to hear it again. And the more hard you get. The harder your life becomes. They had plague after plague. After plague. After plague. After judgment. Until the nation was destroyed. And he was gone. Their whole army. And all their firstborn. And that's not because God's mean. It's because you refuse mercy. You reject the answer. And the devil's trying to destroy you. And if he can get you to agree with him and be rebellious like he is, then you get some of the same things he gets. Judgment. Destruction. Said out loud again, by the mercy of God. God. Not me. me. They said, uh, tell us again. What did he do to you? Verse 27, are you there? What do you say? I have told you already. And you didn't hear it. Why do you want to hear it again? <laughs> you want to be his disciples? Oh, oh. He's just trying to get kicked out now. <laughs> Verse 28. And they reviled him. Oh man, they're mad. They said, you're his disciple. We are Moses' disciples. Keep going. We know God spoke to Moses. As for this guy, we don't know where he's from. The man answers, well, that's a marvelous thing. You don't know where he's from. And yet he opened my eyes. (laughs) There's some underlying thing. You're supposed to be so spiritual. It's about the most spiritual thing we ever had happen around here. Is that right? If you don't know where it come from, you're telling off on yourself, big preacher. <laughs> we know that God doesn't hear sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and does his will, him he hears. How are you going to call this man a sinner, he's saying. Verse 32. Since the world began, was it not heard? You ever heard or seen of anybody Whose eyes been opened that was born blind? Show of hands. <laughs> if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Man, you can see why this is in the book. <laughs> this man 
knows what God did for him. He ain't let nobody talk him out of it. Is that right? And he don't care what anybody thinks. He's standing up in the middle. They tried to hit him with theological questions. He said, I don't know about that. I don't know about, no, I don't know about that. I know this. I was blind. And now I can see. And how can it be he's a bad man? You never heard of this kind of happening. No. They said, you were altogether born in sins. And do you teach us? And they kicked him up. <laughs> he should have said, thank God. <laughs> Keep reading. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they threw him out. <laughs> and he came and found him. Isn't Jesus good? He's wonderful. He might have thought this was a big deal. Because, you know, there's a lot of places preach, if you ain't part of us, you lost. If that's all you ever heard, you may not know any better. He may be thinking, man, I've been excommunicated. (laughs) I'm in trouble. Jesus found him. He said, you believe in the Son of God? He said, who is he, Lord? You've got to remember, he's never seen him before. (laughs) He said, Lord, who is he? That I might believe on him. Jesus said to him. You have both seen him. Because his eyes have been opened. And it's him that's talking with you right now. Oh. He said Lord I believe. (laughs) And he worshipped him. But I just wanted to. Go through this. To see the spirit. Of obstinacy. And rejecting. The word. Keep. Keep trying to get him to say something else. Because they don't want that. They, they don't want it to just be that, yeah, it's Jesus. The Bible said he came to his own, and what happened? He did not fit the idea that they had of who the Messiah would look like and act like when he came. And so they didn't like that answer. They didn't like him. And so many are still looking for something else. Is that right? And it's sad. Because he is the one. The only one. And when he speaks to us, we need to treat the words from the only one as the only answer. And submit and respond and receive it. When it comes to doing things in life, your flesh won't always want to do it. I know some of the next parts that God's been dealing with us to do in the ministry now, moving forward, we've been praying about it. Phyllis and I have been doing some extra praying about it. And some of the things that he's quickened to me, I'll just be honest with you, I didn't really too much want to do it. <laughs> but my heart wants to obey him. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I remember back years ago that uh, we'd been short on our finances month after month, month after month, month after month. I know that's not right. I've been At this point, I had been in the ministry, Phyllis and I, for years. And every once in a while, he'd come up to me to go out on the weekends and minister in churches and conferences. 
At that time, I was ministering at Brother Hagin's ministry, and I was ministering, you know, a dozen times a week a lot of times. And so, I, you know, by the time the weekend comes, I'm ready to just not do much, you know. And, and uh, every time they'd come up, I'd think, well, I, no, I don't want to travel on the two days I got off and go hold meetings. And no. And so I did what we talked about earlier. I thought, I don't know where that came from. Now, you, you've never done that, right? <laughs> I was like, I... And so I, you, you just try to go past it real fast. Like, what was that? I don't know. It's gone. Let's do something else. And, and, but then, you know, I'm still some things that weren't quite right. And, and um, I remember this, this happened over a period of pushing two years. I'm not proud of that. But, and I came in one day after work, and I plopped down in the, in the chair... The recliner, nobody was in the house except me. And that came up from the inside of me. Oh, thank God for the Holy Spirit. It just came right up to my mind. I don't mean I heard a voice or had a vision about me. People had been asking me to come to their church and to speak and to minister on healing and minister on this, minister on that. And I had just turned down the invitations. And, and it came up to me about going out and doing that. And uh, I just sat there and I said, Lord, forgive me. That's you. I know that's you. That's the same Holy Spirit led us to Ramah. That's the same Holy Spirit led us into the ministry. That's the same. I know that's you. Forgive me. Yes, sir. You know where I'm at. I'm, you know I'm going to need you to strengthen me and help me to do this. But if you want me to do this, yes, sir. Be glad to do it. And I mean, before I got the words out of my mouth, he said, now I'm going to talk to you about your finances. I didn't know they were connected. Can y'all see this? I didn't know that my struggling or struggling in finances was connected to me not doing what he told me to do. I didn't realize that. But he said, I'm on, I'm on, and it's not that he's been, I've been waiting on him. He's been waiting on me. I said, he's been waiting on me. What is that? And if you don't want it to be, you go, oh, that's nothing. Sounds like a knock to me. Now, you just, you're hearing things. Are you sure? Nobody's at the door. No, let's, uh, let's watch a movie. <laughs> Never so often. Are you sure nobody's at the door? No, just hush. No, quit bringing that up. But it was the answer. It is the answer. And even though it annoys you and you don't respond for another two years, two years later, it's going to still be the answer because he doesn't change, doesn't need to change. We did that and man, some things opened up and God quickened us. Of course, we're young. You know, young people ought to be able to do some stuff. We would leave on Friday afternoon, fly to L.A., do meetings that night in the uh, Civic Center, a rented part of it, smaller part of it, with other, some other ministers and people. Had some outstanding things happen. And we'd come back, and the next morning we'd have a service, and that night we'd have a service, and then go back and eat at these people's house. They had a lady that was Jamaican, 
And she could make jerk chicken that would just knock you off the chair, man. And, and we got to eat that. Didn't know about that till then. And, and then get on the red eye and fly back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, be in church on Sunday morning. And of course, Monday morning, here we go. Class time, class time, class time, prayer school, healing school. It's five o'clock. But it opened up all kinds. We saw miracles. It opened up things. It made a friendships with other ministers and ministries. Everybody say it pays. It pays. It pays to obey God. And I know, I know if we hadn't done what he told us there, you and I wouldn't be looking at each other. When you get the answer, it's the answer. Don't look for something else. Don't harden your heart. Everybody tell me what you say. You say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Stand on your feet. The master said, I delight to do your will, O God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.